Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I'm going to take you way back, all the way back to the beginning of how and why I set up my three rules of investing. Every once in a while, because new people listen to the show or just because you need to hear it again, the basics need to be revisited. And I think that really the basics, what's interesting is that most people can't stick to the basics. Once they have some success by using the basics, they want to go out there and be creative and start taking gigantic shots at things, right? Which is basically gambling. So let's start at the beginning. Rule number one, never lose money. So how do you do that, Dell? That's almost impossible. No, it's very possible. The difference is 90% of everything you invest in in your life, maybe even 99.9% of it, is gambling. So, Dell, I don't gamble. I invest. No, you gamble. Now, I'm going to redefine gambling for you, and uh, then you can either agree with me or you can go off and believe what you want to believe. And then you can take your results and wear the, weigh them against mine. Now, before we go any deeper in that, let's also talk about this. Some people listen to Dave Ramsey, and so they weigh the results of being broke and bad credit against what Dave talks about, and Dave's results are about being, um, you know, not broke and not having bad credit. And so if you don't mind being a middle-class person, living a life of quiet desperation, working the rest of your life to save up a pittance that may allow you to have some money when you get ready to retire, but not really retire wealthy, then his theories work well for that result. Now, my theories work well for the result that you take middle-class people, not completely dungeony, bottom-level, crackhead-type street people. Those people will not flourish with these ideas. You take regular people like yourselves who get up and go to work every day. You have a job. You make some money or you have some money saved from working. And then you go out and invest that money conservatively enough that rule number one, you never lose money. Rule number two, you have massive cash flow. And rule number three, eventually you figure out how to take those cash flows and turn them into massive wealth. Those are the three rules, which rule three is you can't get rich slow. You have to have some massive capital gain somewhere along the way to get really wealthy, truly wealthy. How wealthy is truly wealthy? Well, when you're first starting out, I'm sure the million-dollar number seems like the real good number to hit. But the truth of the matter is a million dollars won't buy you much anymore. Most of the people that I know are worth five, ten million dollars after going through lifestyles for several years. Hmm. How long is several years? Three, five, seven, ten, let's say ten years. And if they keep doing what they did in the beginning, which got them up to the million, and if you keep doing it, you'll get to the two and the five and the ten, right? 
It's just a matter of consistency. But a lot of people can't hang with consistency like a diet. Worked real well for me for about two or three months, and I got in really good shape, and then I stopped. Don't know why you would believe that the results would continue if you stopped dieting. Like, well, I'll just coast. All right, well, maybe that's what you're doing financially, too, is coasting. So let's start with speculation. People don't like to to say that they're gambling. They don't want to admit to their spouse that they're gamblers. But I call everything you're doing gambling because it's really speculation. What are you speculating on? You're buying anything that you buy with the hope of the greater fool theory. What is the greater fool theory? The greater fool theory is somebody out there is going to be dumber than you are, and they're going to pay you more for the exact same asset you just purchased. And whether it be real estate, hey, I'm buying this house because it's in a good part of town, or it's on a lake, it's always got to go up, it's on the ocean front, it's always going to go up, or you're buying stocks, you know, in the long run over the last 200 years, the stock market's gone up at 10% a year, blah, 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 you know, uh, whether it's gold, gold is, you know, there's security, whatever it is you're buying, you're buying with the hope that it goes up in value, meaning somebody else is going to pay you more for it, right? That's your goal is that you can guess which assets to buy that will go up in value. Now, I've had this article on my show before where they talked about some college. In fact, because I don't remember the exact details, I'm just kind of make it up, but it's actually a supposedly true story that at some college they decided that they were going to run a test And they took the best stock pickers in the world, and they took a monkey who threw a dart at a Wall Street Journal each day, and that's how they pick stocks. Ten years later, they had the same result. There was really no difference. In other words, no matter how smart you are, you're not outpicking the monkey. So the bottom line is, is the reason is because it's speculation, and speculation has odds, right? And if you're really, really good at what you do, maybe you're good at picking those odds, and you do a little bit better, but... All those odds go to nil the day the stock market drops 40%. So all those gains that you made disappear. I know. I went through this. I went through it. I paid the price. Uh, I thought I was pretty smart when I was doing it. I thought, you know, because I'm a pretty sharp guy, I think. You know, we all think that about ourselves, and I think that about myself. That I was pretty good at picking the odds and picking the stocks and so on and so forth. And I was getting great gains over and over and over and over and over again until I didn't. Until one day, boom, I lost 40%, 50% of my net worth. And then I realized it was gambling. It was speculation. And so I got out of it and never went back. Realizing that the most important thing is no matter how hard I work and no matter how much money I save, what percentage of what I earn that I save, you know, in other words, how really hard I try to affect my financial position, none of it matters if the stock market or whatever market I'm in or whatever asset I buy drops by 40% uh, on me. So in that particular situation, I decided to look for other things, and what I found was hard assets. See, in the stock market, you don't own the company. You don't control the company. You have no way of making your asset make money or improving its uh, asset value. With real estate, I found I had both. I had control over how it made money and how much it made, and I had control over what its value was. 
because I could change its value by fixing it up and so forth. But one other thing that I found in real estate that you could not do in the stock market, and that was I could buy it below what it's worth. So today, if you went out in the stock market and said, I want 100 shares of Microsoft, whatever that price is, that's what you're going to pay. You go to your stockbroker and go, no, 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 no. That's not what I want. I want, while the stock is selling at $100 a share, I want you to go find me somebody to sell to me for 50 cents on the dollar or 75 cents on the dollar. That's what I want. And you go, and the stockbroker goes, what? There's no way. That isn't going to happen. No one's going to sell it to you. Yet I can go out in the real estate market and say, okay, I want a house that's worth $100,000 and they don't make those anymore, but uh, let's say $200,000. And I want to buy it at 150000 or less. And believe it or not, we find those deals all the time. So I have instantly made $50,000 of forced equity. The difference with real estate is you own an asset. The market, whatever it is, whatever it does, it doesn't matter to you. You're not out there playing it on a market every day. If you buy your real estate, now let's start with, you buy it low enough price that you've made some money going in. A lot of people buying real estate to try to get rule three, which is you can't get rich slow. You have to go out there and get a giant capital gain and sell and take the money and go do it again and do it again and do it again. Let's come back to that. That's very aggressive but it's not your first move, and it's not your long-term move. Your long-term move is increase your cash flow. So we make moves in the future that will sell something and make a giant capital gain, but we're only doing that when there's too much equity in the property and starting to lower the rate of return on our investment, which is hard for people to understand. But the more equity you have, dead equity in the property, the lower the rate of return is. So... When we go out there, rule number two is there's got to be cash flow. What I've done for 33, 34 years of investing, whatever it's been, 35 maybe, is I have increased my cash flow every year. And it's to the point now where I was trying to go through my credit cards the other day, and you know I was going to give my wife a good tongue lashing for how much money she was spending. And then I realized it doesn't really matter because my built-in cash flow is so high that even though she has a lot of fun spending a lot of money on her personal desires, it doesn't really affect us because it's still only just a very, very minute portion of our total monthly cash flow. So you see, because I built up the cash flow, right, we can live whatever quality of life we want to live, her included. If I didn't have the cash flow and I had capital gains, you would see like a, a guy just announced he's one of my students that ran off and did a real estate uh, guru course himself, made a bunch of money, and then quit. <laughs> now he's run out of money again, so he's starting back, starting his guru courses back up again and uh, starting to buy real estate again. And, uh, you know, y- you can just see that he's got to get back in it. I don't got to get back in it because I never got out of it because... I never, ever give up the cash flow, period. That just won't happen. The cash flow is what I live for. Now, rule three is you can't get rich slow, and you have to have some capital gains, right? 
And that's something that you wait for. But let's talk about cash flow. When I first started Lifestyles, a lady made me a shirt. It's, she embroidered it on her. She had it somehow printed, said it's the cash flow, stupid. What does that mean? Why do you get up and go to work every day? You could have a capital gains in your 401k. You don't stop working because you had a capital gains in your 401k. Your 401k doesn't pay you any money. Your personal residence, your largest asset, doesn't pay you any money. Your IRA accounts don't pay you any money. Nothing in any type of asset you own, your cars, your gold, none of it pays you any money. Henceforth, you work. You get up every day and go to work. You live a life of quiet desperation, rattling around in the little rat wheel, spinning the rat wheel every day, or living in your little prison cubicle and doing your little prison cubicle thing, not able to get out in the world and enjoy life because you're trapped in the little prison cubicle. Now, obviously, even in prison, they let you go outside every once in a while, right? You get some yard time, so in your life, you get some yard time, but... Most of the time, you're in the cubicle. You're in the little prison box. My investment structure is 80% designed to produce cash flow and only 20% designed to create capital gains. It does create capital gains. I do get large chunks of capital now and then from capital gains, but that's really not what my portfolio is designed for. My portfolio is designed so that every single month I get massive cash flow. That is a lot more fun when you look every single month in the mailbox and make more than you ever made at any job you've ever had. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. What would you say to women out there, Kelly, if they're thinking about doing this, if they're sitting out there right now going, I'm trapped with a glass ceiling where I work. I know I can't go up any further. There's, there's no room there. What would you say to them about becoming their own boss? Well, you know, you can decide to stay where you're at and keep trying to crack that glass ceiling. But at the end of the day, in this environment, it is so easy, you know, to be able to get out of that mold. People know me and they come up to me and they're very gracious and they don't look at me and say, oh, you're a woman, I'm not gonna invest with you, I'm gonna go over here. There's no real gender there. Are you ready to be part of a world where there are no glass ceilings, no gender bias, no limits? Start like award-winning real estate investor Kelly did with the online free workshop. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. 
Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we are talking about the three rules of investing that I created way back 35 years ago. And rule number one for those just tuning in is that you never lose money. And I have never lost money in a real estate investment. I have lost money on a condo I bought to live in when I was a young lad, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but have not in any of the investments I've ever purchased lost money on the buy sell of the property. Um, so rule one is never lose money. And that's, you know, done by getting rid of the speculation. Stop speculating on what something might become someday and buy it below what it's worth today. Buy it at a good price today. It's all about the buying in real estate, not about the selling. The selling is easy. That's the other end. When things are up, boom. Uh, when there's high demand, it's easy to sell, great returns. But that's not what we buy for. We buy when the times are tough like they are right now so you can get a good deal. Now, there's one more step here that builds into this rule, too, which it's got to be cash flow, and that is real estate investing is the most Tax preference, no, it's not the most. It's one of the most tax preference investments that there are. I think some oil and gas lease has some types of you know write-offs that are pretty good. I don't really know. I can't say because I'm not an expert on taxes. But I'll tell you this. It is one of the best tax write-offs. So what does that mean? Because the income we earn as rental income, can be covered by depreciation, and real estate allows for that. This is legal. Everybody does it. It's why Trump pays no income taxes, not because he's cheating, simply because he owns a lot of real estate, which gives him a lot of write-offs, and so he doesn't have to pay taxes on his rental incomes. So we don't have to pay taxes on our rental incomes. Now, if you are a real estate professional, which means you do this for a living, you work at least 450 hours a year or whatever it is, um, in the business of real estate in some way, then you can write off those losses against not only your rental income, but also your earned income, um, because that's your field. So it becomes deductible out of that income also. In this situation, you're able to earn money and then not pay taxes on it. I've had real estate companies, real estate owned, and I've worked in the real estate. Not as a real estate agent, although that would work. Not as a real estate broker, although that would work. But as an owner-operator. My wife is also an owner-operator. So we are spending our time operating our own real estate deals, whatever amount of time that that. We spend at it as long as the totality of that adds up to 450 hours a, a year, whatever the number is. I mean, I think it's 750. Excuse me. I'm probably wrong. It's probably 750 hours a year. Um, but we track it. And because we track it and everything, then the bottom line is, is that we are real estate professionals. And so as real estate professionals, we get to take the deductions from the real estate against not only our rental income, but also our other income. Now, what that means is on the businesses that I have that are businesses, like my seminar company, my consulting company, like my real estate sales companies, uh, like my mortgage company, like my software companies, those create income that is taxable earned income. 
but I get to write off my real estate deductions against those also because of being a real estate professional, right? So what does that mean? That means, you know, you're paying these taxes in all year long, the estimated taxes you have to pay in at the end of the year, boom, you get a, you get a, a large amount back. So let's just take two parts of this. The large amount back part is really great. Don't get me wrong. I love that part. But let's talk about the first part. You're out there working right now, and you're making $100,000 a year. And I keep using 100000 for everything, just easy math for the radio. So you make $100,000 a year. You don't take home $100,000 a year. You're paying 15% income taxes, 7.5% Social Security taxes. And if you work for yourself, you're paying 15% Social Security taxes and Medicare taxes, right? So you've got a at least 15 to 30% tax income tax bill and then another 7 to 15% on Social Security and Medicare. That could be anywhere from 30% to 45% that you're paying. So you take that off. We'll just take 30%. You make a hundred grand. You're really only living on 70,000 a year. You don't have to replace a hundred thousand dollars a year in real estate. Unlike if you had to go find some other way to make income, you, when you earn income, have to pay income taxes. But when you earn the income by being a real estate professional or investor, I'm sorry, first of all, the income that comes out of the real estate invested in. Uh, allow is allowed to use the depreciation to cover that income so that you don't pay taxes on it. And because it's not employment income, you don't pay Social Security or Medicare either. So no income tax, no Social Security, no Medicare taxes, right? Um, you probably are also depositing or you're probably also um, contributing to a, a 401k or an IRA. So that's more money out of your check, meaning you're really taking home less than $70,000 a year. And remember, if you're self-employed, it could be as high as 45% is paid in taxes, and you're only taking home 55000 a year. Now you're taking out some 401k and IRA. So, well, Dell, don't you take out 401k? No, I don't, because my investments pay me. I don't pay them. There's no reason for me to make a payment of $500 a month to my investments. You and your 401k, you have to pay money to it. It eats up money left and right. Your personal resident eats up money every month. You have maintenance and repair on it, plus your mortgage payment, your taxes, and your insurance. Your 401k, you have to contribute to. Your IRA, you have to contribute to. If you want more gold, you have to buy more gold. But in real estate, it just pays us money. Totally different. And it pays us tax-free income. So we're able to retire. If you're only taking home after all of your payments and everything, including insurance and all that in there, you're taking home like when I made $70,000 a year, I only took home $3,300 a month. Didn't matter. I mean, that's it. All I had to do was replace $3,300 a month and I was retired. And same thing with you. If you're making a hundred grand a year and you only have to replace 60 or 70,000, that's all you have to replace. And so retirement, because of the taxing effect of real estate is much easier to obtain, way easier, much, much harder to get it anywhere else. So now, now you've got cash flow that is covered by depreciation, which allows it to be a larger amount of cash flow coming from these investments than any other type of investment that you have. 
you're able to live off of it because it's regular reoccurring income. What do I mean by that? It's regular. The same amount comes every month, just like your paycheck. You're used to a paycheck. Well, my rental income comes in just like regular, like a paycheck. I know how much is coming in. Boom. There it is. It's reoccurring. It's every single month over and over and over and over again, regular reoccurring. And it's realized. Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, there's got to be cash flow. And rule number three is you can't get rich slow. So what does the last one mean? Because the first two are obviously conservative type thought processes, right? Um, How does the third one work? Well, for years, I purchased real estate, number one, always from the point of view that I had to buy it at a discount. And that paid massive dividends for me, along with uh, great cash flow. Rule number two, there's got to be cash flow. Everything I purchased, uh, I made sure there was cash flow. Now, the one thing you have to understand is that it's very hard to actually calculate in most businesses what the cash flow will be. You open up a new restaurant, you don't really know what the sales are going to be. But in rental real estate, we actually have comparables, they're called, comps. And we can go out there and we can find out what the stuff is renting for in this area, for that particular type, size, property, age, property. We can find out what it rents for. So we know what the income is going to be. So we can calculate the income. We know what the property tax is going to be. We can look that up. The insurance, we can get a a quote on that. And we have a generalized rule of thumb what maintenance repair is if you start from the ground floor of everything being fixed. And that's where a lot of people lose this thing. They buy something or even worse, they inherit um, a piece of real estate that they turn into a rental. So let's talk about you were, had a house and your, your wife had a house, you got married, now you have an extra house. What do you do with it? You turn it into a rental property. What you don't realize is both of you have been living in your houses for four, five, eight, ten 10 years, and they have maintenance and repair issues. If you turn it into a rental house before you fix all that stuff, something is going to go wrong on a tenant and you're going to get calls. And then you're going to think, oh, my gosh, if I didn't have this tenant in there, I wouldn't have these calls. That's not true. Stuff would have broke down on you. You just wouldn't have got so hyper about it. But because it's a rent house, you're saying, oh, my gosh, look at what it's doing to me. It's not, you know, I'm not getting any cash flow because I have these repairs. So the, the secret is just do all the repairs up front. Now, that's no fun when you already own the house and now the repairs come out of your pocket. But when you're buying a brand or buying a rental house, the purchase price and the rehab can be rolled into one price and you can get someone to lend you that money as a package. And that and that money doesn't come out of your pocket then. Now, with the repairs all done, the property is going to have X number of years before it needs any repairs. Now, caveat, you put a bad tenant in there and don't follow the correct screening procedures, uh, that tenant, bad tenant, could and probably will tear it up. Then you're going to have expenses that you didn't plan on. You know, bad people are bad people. We call them purple Martians. Why purple Martians? Because they come in every color except purple, which is why we can get away with calling them purple Martians, because it has nothing to do with sex, race, age, any of the, the, the things that you don't want to discriminate in business on. Uh, it's not right to do that. You screen your tenants, you make a better decision, and hence they don't destroy the property. And if you've done all the repairs up front, 
There's nothing to go wrong. You're going to get between five and 10 years out of the property. Why five to 10? Because some things wear out in five years and some things work out, wear out in about 10 years. And it just depends on did you replace the five-year stuff, right? So you've got stuff that only lasts about five years. And if you replace it, you get 10 years with it. Um, I'm sorry. There's stuff that lasts 10 years, but if it's already five years old, you get five years out of it. That's all that's left. If you replace it, then you get 10 years. So most of us won't replace something that doesn't need to replace for five years. But then you realize, I can five years from now, I'm going to have a cost. You just got to calculate that in. If you do, then you understand what your expenses are. You know what your income is. You know what your expenses are. And you know what your cash flow is. Hence, you're able to predict your outcome, which in most investments you can't really predict, nor do you have the control to predict what will happen. So there it is, my friends. Let's not ever lose money again in any investment. Let's have massive cash flow that allows us to retire. And then every once in a while, let's hit it big out of the park and make a million dollars in one transaction. I've done that many, many, many times. And every time I do it, I'm very excited about it. But do I go invest just for that? No way. I still go invest for the cash flow. So I can tell you this, it's not the money. Is the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.